0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Young Adult Novels audio podcast. Um, I am reading from the story Supernatural Academies by Maria Grant. And I am on chapter 18 now. Um, Again, I did start a Facebook page. Um, I've gotten some people... To check it out, so that's good. Um, if you're listening to this, check out the Facebook page, it's at YA Adult Audio. Um, so just check it out. And I am about to get started on chapter 18. When we get to chapter 20, I will do another recap of everything. Um, so far, again, there are only 26 chapters. And so the book is about like halfway done. So I think the chapters are going to be getting a little bit longer from here on out. Um, because there's there's not that many chapters left. But there's like a lot of pages here. So I'm like ready to get started. Again, I'm going to be starting with chapter 18. And it is called Books and Sleuthing. While Gates and Reed are away, Kaya decides to go into the hallway and just take a moment for herself. She slips out and sits on the floor beside the door, leaning her head against the wall. She blinks back tears. That this happens frequently, she'll get depressed and start crying. She can't help it, honestly. With her father, and now knowing she's going to die, it just builds up to the point the only healthy outlet she has is crying. Hearing the door open, she wipes her cheeks and sees Declan standing over her. He slides down to the floor so their knees are touching each other. He grabs her left hand with his right one and holds their hands together in his lap. Reed will find a way to save you. Declan whispers without looking at her. We've all grown too far too attached to you to just let you die. <laughs> you have too much faith, she admits. Good, because you don't have enough, he tells her. Determined blue eyes stare into her own, and she's not sure what it brings her to do this, but she leans up, untangles their hands, and kisses him. Declan is startled at first, but presses back against her with experienced ease. He grabs a fistful of her brown hair with one hand and lifts her into his lap with the other one. She sighs into his mouth as she parts her soft lips and allows his tongue to enter hers. Since she can't have drugs, this is the next best thing. Kissing seems to free her mind of her worries, and that's what she needs right now. Her body feels hot the more she kisses Declan and she's convinced it feels like her body is tingling. (sighs) Declan pants as he moves his mouth away. She chases his lips and when she misses she begins to trail her lips down his neck. He moans as she starts to suck right on his pressure point. He closes his eyes and holds her tight just as the door opens and out walks Sophie. She glares at the two of them and places her hands on her hips. Again? She throws her hands up in disapproval. I kissed him. Sophie admits as she hides in his chest. Jesus, you two. Sophie smiles to herself and goes back in the room. Kaya just sits there for like two more minutes, and then the two of them head back in as well. While Kaya and Declan are dealing with getting teased by Anders, Yates, and Reed, while Kaya and Declan are dealing with getting teased by Anders, Yates and Reed are arriving at the bookstore. The bookstore they arrive at is so cliche it makes Yates want to hurl. The store is located on an older street in Brooklyn, not heavily populated even though it's close to 7 at night. Even with all the other stores still open, somehow this one shop stands out from the rest. Probably has something to do with the brown entry door with huge silver bells hanging from it and has skeletons plastered in the windows. Entering the store is no surprise either. The place is small and there are like six bookshelves lining the walls of the place, with some books on various tables made to be a display. There is a checkout counter to the right, covered with a cluster of random items like pens, notepads, Halloween designs, and bookmarks. Looking straight ahead is a wide open entryway with shingles cascading down to make a curtain. A young looking man comes from behind the space and smiles at gates and Reed. Hey, it's customers! The man says and says in cheerful voices, his smile widens across his face. He looks like a stereotypical hippie from the 70s. His sandy brown hair looks greasy and stringy as if it hasn't been washed in weeks. It comes down past his shoulders. He's wearing a white t-shirt with a yellow smiley face on it and a pair of torn blue jeans that flare out at the hem. His skin looks pasty white, which looks even whiter against his coffee-stained teeth. Gates wrinkles his knows to hide his disgust. Hey, my name is Simon, Reed says in kind. I called about the book. Reed raises his brows and Gates mentally commends his friend on getting better with the whole lying thing. Yes, the guy snaps his fingers, his eyes lighten up. I'm beat, and I have that weird book right here, man. Pete disappears in the back, making the shingles clatter, and then comes back out with a large brown book that has Yates wondering what the hell Reed is up to with a dark magic book. Thank you, Pete, Reed smiles as he takes the book. I'll be able to ace my my mythology class with this book. Pete smiles brighter as he tilts his head, Some odd fellow dropped the book off about a year ago, Pete explains. I was too afraid to put it on the shelves, man, because I thought it was cursed, to be honest. Pete laughs at some untold joke, only he understands. You can have it for free, honestly. It creeps me out, Pete shivers as he states this, and Gates can only imagine. The book is a dark magic book used to perform unspeakable curses and spells. No one should be in possession of this. I don't believe in that stuff, Reed fakes laughs. I appreciate the free book, though. If I find myself cursed, I'll let you know. Pete smiles genuinely at this and laughs as he pats Reed on the shoulder. Oh, man. Pete shakes his head. You're right, left, Simon. You should meet my sister. She believes in this stuff, man. Considers herself a wicked, even. Gase's interest is Pete, but he keeps this to himself. Sure thing. Reed responds, write her number down and maybe she and I can talk. Oh, she would love that, Pete says eagerly as he hurries behind the counter for a skull pen. She's the one who decorated the store, man, and she's been trying to get her hands on that book, but I've hidden it from her. Don't want her cursing herself back, So you know? (laughs) Smart. Gates chimes in as Pete grabs a book and writes his sister's name and number in it. Right? Pete responds to Gates before handing the book back to Reed. I'll let her know Simon might reach out, Pete says to Reed. Alright then. Reed grabs the book and tucks it to his chest before walking out the store with Yates in tow. Look, I know you have questions, Reed starts, and Gaze looks at him expectantly. But help me have this book from the others and I'll explain everything. Gaze wants to protest, but he relents. He'd rather help Reed pull this off successfully than have his friend do something stupid and end up killed in the process so gates being the kind-hearted person he is waits for a reed with waits for the car with reed to arrive so they can go back to the hotel wait didn't you drive to new york why are we waiting for a car gates gives reed a side look because driving in the state gives me anxiety reed admits hmm Yeats hums as he places his hands in his pocket. Last time I was here, my uncle got pulled over for driving in a wealthy part of the town at night and being black. The cop said he looked suspicious. Ree shakes his head. It sucks being judged for what you are. Re hugs a book closer to his chest. Those five black teens who were killed last week. The cops still don't know who did it, but I'm wondering if they're even looking for the kill in the first place. The murders did happen in Iowa, always wondered. Yates looks up at the dimming sun. If being a magical doesn't kill me, the will am my being black get me killed? Funny thing is, sometimes when I'm alone, I'll cast an illusion and make myself appear to be white. Ree's eyes soften. Yates, he says in a sad voice, why aren't we doing more? Gates squints his eyes at his friend. I mean it, we're magicals. We should use what we have to get justice for those who are disenfranchised and marginalized by the system. I appreciate this woke version of Reed, but we're not vigilantes, nor are we martyrs, Gates responds. Reed huffs and he approaches the arriving car. Can you really live with yourself knowing you had the ability to do something and you didn't? Reed whispers as they get seated in the car. How many children grow up wishing they, wishing they had a real life hero to look up to? You could be that person. Illusions are not hero worthy. Yates replies, "I'll be great at a party. That's about it." Don't talk like that. Reed chastises. Illusions are great for a detective. You could work for the FBI. Yates looks up and sees the driver eyeing them warily. So he elbows Reed. Let's talk later. Gates demands. The rest of the ride is silent. The driver keeps an eye on them until they both pile out of the vehicle and begin walking inside the hotel. Let me hold a book so I can create an illusion. Gates grabs the book and makes it look like a ring. Thanks. Reed mumbles as they head up to the room. Gates hums but doesn't respond verbally because both teams know it takes a lot out of him to maintain an illusion involving multiple people for a constant amount of time. Walking into the room, it's as if they never argued. Sophie is braiding Kaya's hair. Malcolm is reading a book in the chair. Anderson and Declan are wrestling on Kaya's deemed bed. And there are food trays everywhere. We order room service on your dime, of course, Sophie explains without turning to look at Reed. Figured it's the least he could do for being such a dick. (laughs) Reed deadpans. You were never invited in the first place. I don't have to play nice here. Sophie shoots him the bird. He needs to get everyone out of the room so Yates can hide the book somewhere. Arguing with Sophie won't get him anywhere, though. How about we all go swimming? Sophie squints her eyes before shrugging her shoulders. I'm down if you are, Sophie questions Kaya. Sure, Kaya agrees easily. Let me grab my swimsuit. Kaya hops off the bed and goes to her duffel in order to pull out a small yellow two-piece. She wraps it up and links arms with Sophie, who flounders out the room. I'm totally doing a cannonball, Declan shouts as he pounces out the room, which means I'm babysitting. Great, gets dead pants as he takes off his ring and slides it to Reed. Anders, you and Malcolm should come with me. Give Reed some alone time. Anders hesitates but follows suit with Malcolm and Tell. Reed sighs in relief as the room door closes and the ring presents itself as a book once again. His hand hovers over the cover as he opens it tinted leaf. The whole thing is written in Latin. Reed is not fluent, but he'll just have to hit the library up and translate as much as possible or have somebody help him. It's time for him to set his plan in motion. As the teens have their fun in New York for a few days and return, Zaire pays Chase another visit. What are you doing? Zaire looks over Chase's shoulder as he sees the young boy drawing what appears to be a person in the factory. Drawing something, Chase responds absentmindedly as he focuses on his task. Obviously, but why? Zaire his frustration as he sits down beside Chase at the table. Chase stops drawing and looks up. Kaya was wondering if I could sketch out Anders' dream along with a tattoo. Chase Anders answers. Zaire's eyes flutter close in annoyance as he plashes a fake smile on his face. He pats Chase twice on the back and the boy flinches from the harsh contact. Glad to see you picking aside. side. Zaire grits his teeth. I'll always choose my pack. Chase frowns. I'm just helping out a friend. friend. <laughs> Zaire laughs sarcastically. We werewolves. Do not become friends with magicals. Not since the crusades. Stop calling them crusades. Chase hustled with the bowed head. Some magicals began teaming up with demons and needed sacrifices. Not all magicals are druids. Not all? Zaire sneers. You sound like a traitor. Or do your parents need to be slaughtered by a magical to see that they are all the same? Chase stops drawing and stares at the picture in front of him. This image until him is coming to life before his eyes, and once he's done, he'll scan into a computer and do a Google image, picture image trace to see what pops up. Chase doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. What Chase doesn't know is that Zaire didn't always hate magicals. He was friends with them once, but the magicals were faking kindness, and while his friend was distracting him, a set of jewels were off killing Zaire's mother. Zaire was a fool. Not again. Never again. It's a secret he'll take to his grave. My grandfather raised me to respect other people. Chase stands firm in his conviction. I refuse to allow my heart to be tainted by hatred. You used to be so cocky. I wonder what happened to that little follower who did what the crowd was doing. Was that yelling us close? Who taught you to grow a spine? Ouch. Chase can't even respond back because it's true. He's always been the popular type to just go with the flow in order to hold his status. Always did what others expected of him without a care for standing up for his own beliefs. No longer, though. Studying it up on the druids being back and one of his pack being murdered, he's realizing that life is too short to not hold your own weight, to not be your own person. Say here? Chase's voice sounds so tired and desperate. He hates it. I've missed you, but not like this. Chase picks up his items and carries them in his arms and out of the neighborhood clubhouse. He'll finish at the library, one place Zaire hardly visits. Zaire watches the boy leave and hisses his disapproval. He was counting on Chase's charm to help him get close to the sirens. Now he'll have to go another route. Chase won't admit it, but he let his own hatred get in the way of things. Truth is, Ruby was right. There's no way Zayir will be able to get close to the Sirens without them trying to rip his head off. They are wary of men as is, especially men like Zayir, who have killed their kind before. Even though Zayir had his reasons, Sirens won't forgive and won't forget that easily. He groans his frustration and leans his head back as he closes his eyes. He's going to have to call that damn mermaid after all. Useless. Zaire hus in frustration, unless Zaire says to himself out loud, I can't convince Chase's sister Annabelle to act on my behalf. Now she is someone who hates magicals just as much as Zaire and will do anything to please the alpha, which includes pleasing a son. Ziegler continues to plot on how to get in contact with Annabelle while the Magicals continue to go on with their lives. Three days have passed since arriving in New York and now they're all back in North Carolina. Reed managed to make up with Anders and still has his drooled book close to his person. It's now Thursday and Reed is supposed to be at the library but instead he's standing on Mrs. Cotel's front porch. Kaya let it slip to her mother knows multiple languages, one of them being Latin. If he can convince Mrs. Cotel to help him decipher the book, then he might be able to find a spell that can save Kaya's life. Knock, knock. Reed waits for the door to open. He sees the blinds move the tip of his head, peeks out before the blinds fall back into place. It's a knock or two minutes before the door reluctantly opens. Are you Anders or Reed? Mrs. Cotel questions as she opens the door further to allow him in. Reed he announces, hmm. She hums as she smiles in kind and gestures for him to sit. Has my daughter sent you due to me not responding to her? Reed gives her a sympathetic smile. If you distance yourself from her and she dies, how will you cope with that regret? Reed asks seriously. Her eyes lull with tears as she shakes her head. I can't allow myself to believe she's telling the truth. Mrs. Cotell whispers. If I allow myself to believe it, to be real... Then the possibility not only my husband but my daughter as well it's too much I want to say I understand but I couldn't possibly know what you're feeling where it comes comforts her this might not work but it is hope this book right here is a draw book written in ancient Latin if you help me translate it I might be able to find a spell to save Kaya Flutters of hope shine in her eyes, and Reed can tell she's clinging to the thought of being able to save her daughter like a lifeline. I don't understand. What is this book? Reed hesitates before answering. It's a druid book. Reed responds slowly. Druids are known for dark magic, but truthfully, they use strong spells that break the normal barriers of magic. I believe they hold the solution of putting a protection spell on Kaya. Keep her from dying. Hi. She starts and stops, mouth opening and closing like a confused fish. I don't even know what to say. This is all so sudden. It's all been just too sudden. Reed's been this way his whole life. He can't imagine just waking up and being introduced to this world after 15 years of pure blissful ignorance. You should really talk to the headmistress, Reed offers. She's Sophie's mom and hosts some really good counseling programs. Mrs. Cotel nods tersely as she takes a book from Reed's grasp. In the meantime, I'll help you translate this book, she says with conviction. Mm-hmm. I don't want my daughter to die, but being a denial won't do anything to bring her back either, so if I can fight for her life with this book, then I will. Thank you. Ray says in response, sighing in relief, Just one last thing. You can't tell anyone about this. Understood? Mrs. Cotel nods in determination and opens the book. Reed, go into the living room and get me my laptop. Reed follows the command, and they begin.